Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2. We have been doing a study in the epistle of 1 John. And uh, we are up to verse 7 today. But verse 7 cannot be understood without verses 8, 9, and 10 being read. So even though we are going to be looking perhaps at verses 7 and 8 today, depending on how far I get, uh, I will read from verses 7 through 10 just so you understand what the Apostle John is referring to and talking about. He says, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you have heard or which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Verse 8. Again, a new commandment I write to you, uh, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Verse 9. He who says he is in the light. Now he's going to explain what he's been talking about, which commandment. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. Verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. So we understand the commandment now, don't we? It is a commandment to love. Okay. So again, it's clear from verse 10 here, that the last verse we, we read, that the commandment that the Apostle John is referring to in verse 7 is the commandment of love. So with this information, let's take a closer look at verse 7, where the Apostle John says again, Brethren, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. So the Apostle John uses the words old and new here to describe the commandment of love because it was in fact both. And I'm going to explain that to you as we go on, okay? It was all because, and as Simon J. Kissimaka puts it, already in, the old, in old Testament times, when God's people were in the Sinai Desert, God instructed the Israelites to love their neighbor as themselves. Now that's brought in Leviticus chapter 19 and verse 18, where he said, You shall not take vengeance, nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, notice the commandment, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, that was given to them in the Old Testament. They were told to love their neighbor. Okay, alright. As to it being a new commandment, John MacArthur explains that the commandment of love was new because Jesus personified love in a fresh, new way, and it was shed abroad in believers' hearts. Now that's in Romans 5.5. 5. And energized by the Holy Spirit, that's in Galatians 5. He raised love to a higher standard for the church and commanded his disciples to imitate his love. Alright, now <clears throat> to understand this, this is why in John 13.34, Jesus says, and I will explain this to you in a minute. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, and here's the new part. As I have loved you, as I have loved you. He said, not the way everybody else is teaching it. But as I have loved you, he says, you also love one another. So what had been taught? We'll need to go to Matthew chapter 5 to see. <laughs> okay? So please turn to Matthew chapter 5. And this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus was training up his disciples. And he's, he says here in verses 43 through 45. He says, you have heard it was said... Alright, so here's the old. Okay? You shall love your neighbor, but watch what they added, and hate your enemy. It never said that. 
Did you see that in Deuteronomy? I didn't see it there. Okay, all right. So do you understand what had happened now? The Jews had come to the place where they had taken a commandment that was given and added a little bit to it. Okay? We said, oh, love our neighbor, but our enemy, we hate him. Okay. <laughs> so if they do something, man, you can kill him and God will forgive it. Because you know, <laughs> that ain't my neighbor. All right? Okay. <laughs> we'll look at that in a minute too. But he says in verse 44, But I say to you, here's the new, Love your enemies. Ooh, Jesus. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And now you're going to say, I want to change churches. No. <laughs> and he says, And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He said, this is how people are going to know that you are God's kids. Notice again, this is what the new commandment was. It was not just love your neighbor, but love your enemy as well. Now, I've, I've spoken to you about loving your enemy and the wisdom that goes behind that. You know, a lot of people preach that wrong, and I don't really want to spend a lot of time preaching on that. I have already in the past. But let me just say very quickly, loving your enemy doesn't mean that you tell, ask God to bless them in spite of their lifestyle. You know God can't do that because the word of God says that if you do what's wrong, that's what you're going to reap. Whatever you sow, you reap. Do you understand? So in understanding that, then you need to understand that you need to pray that they sow good seeds. That's how you bless them. That you, help, that you say, God, help them to see the error of their ways. Help them to see that what they're doing is not a good thing for them, nor for the people around them. That it is going to lead to destruction. That they need to be doing something good with their life. And you know what? When you do good things, good things come back. Seriously, you know, you treat people well and people will treat you well. You all know what I'm trying to say? Okay, and, and you know, you, you lead a blessed life. And that's what you need to be praying for enemies. Alright, that's, that's a quick capsule summary. I hope you've got all that. Alright, so don't please, because otherwise you're praying against God's word. We can't pray against God's word. And God, and none of these things mean you to do that. Amen? Amen. Okay. So that's what make, made the old commandment new. Now you can understand why he's going new and old and the same thing. And you know, you've heard it, but now it's new. And Okay, you're all getting this now? <laughs> okay. Don't you all be confused. So the, the old commandment again had been added to, to include the phrase, hate your enemy. And so Jesus corrects that error and adds instead the phrase, love your enemies, to make the old commandment new. So returning back to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 7. Notice again how the Apostle concludes the verse by saying there again, The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. So while the phrase old commandment at the beginning of this verse referred to the old commandment of love that was uh, redefined by Jesus to include love your enemies, here in the latter half of verse 7, it is a slight, has a slightly different meaning. Okay, It's a texture to where although it was new when Jesus gave it, it had now been in circulation among Christians for some time. It had been several years now. And in that sense, it was no longer new but old. Do you all get that? Because remember the Apostle John is writing this when he's quite old now. Okay, Several years after so, Jesus had uh, um, died. There is a lot being said in a very few words. When I first read this, I thought... Oh, new, new, oh, dear Lord, forget it. <laughs> Let's go to an interesting verse. <laughs> okay? But this was a very, you know, the, the, the power in this verse is quite extraordinary. 
Because this verse is actually talking about things that we should be doing and things that will set us apart from everybody else. Are you, are you all with me? Amen. And he's saying, listen, this stuff isn't that new. This stuff was back there in the Old Testament. But it's new because people had taken it and twisted it. And it needs to be renewed and brought back to a place where God intended it to be. Amen. Alright. And again, you see, can I just say this as well? All the Old Testament people could do basically back then was love their neighbor. Because they didn't have the Spirit of God in them. I mean, they had trouble trusting God most of the time. Seriously, okay, you know? So I think God said, you know what, let's just do this. Let's just love your neighbor. Just love people around you. Can we start there? Then we'll talk about things later on. But of course, when you leave something like that, you know, people, fallen people, tend to take it, you know, go in the wrong direction with it and say something like, yeah, and hate your enemies. Okay, and which Jesus now is correcting and did correct. And now the Apostle John is bringing to their attention. Many of John's converts would have not being Jews, but Gentiles. Therefore, they would have no idea of what Old Testament law said. So that's something else you need to understand, that the Apostle John isn't writing to a whole bunch of Jewish people here. Okay, so he's, he, he alludes to the fact that this isn't something new. This isn't some new sect that's, that's rising up. This isn't some, some crazy religion. Okay, he's saying, you know, this is stuff that we knew. We got off track. Jesus as Jews, okay? Jesus came, fixed it all up. I'm telling you something that has been around for a long time, that we are now walking in again. And the thing that, that you are walking in now is the thing that we asked you to walk in right at the beginning of your salvation. When you first came into the kingdom, these were the instructions that you got. Understand that it's nothing new. Even though to you now, writing to, to you, you should, this should be natural to you now. It should be something that you go, oh yeah, this is old, I get this, man, I've been doing this all my life. Okay, especially 20, 30 years, you know what I'm trying to say? Amen? Are you getting this? Okay, awesome. All right. <laughs> Praise God. So, so, in verse 8, now, now you'll understand why he says, going on to verse 8, he says again, a new commandment I write to you. Now do you understand why he says again, a new commandment I write to you? He is saying, do you now understand what I'm telling you to do is what has been modified from the old and brought to a place where it actually truly and fully expresses now God's heart and God's will. That is, love your neighbor, love your enemies, love everybody. Because Corinthians tells us, love never fails. You want to live a life that you never fail in, it's this life. Amen? And it's not a dumb love either. <laughs> okay, I have to say that. <laughs> because, you know, again, people kind of go funny in their head. And they think of daisies and fairies and, you know, glory balls. And, woo, yeah, I just love, love, love. The 70s were good to me, man. <laughs> okay? All right. Uh, you know... <laughs> You need to understand that this love is God's love. Do you understand? This is the God kind of love. Thank you. Amen. This is the love that doesn't look for anything in return. You see, that's something that the world is always doing. It says, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. You know what I'm trying to say? I do you a favor, then you owe me a favor. But God's love doesn't. God's love says, I'll do this. No strings attached. Do you know why? Because we don't look to the person to return the favor. We look to God to bless us for what we're doing. That's why you can do 
good all your life, have nothing returned to you from the people that you did good to, but I will guarantee you, it will be returned to you somehow. Somewhere men will come back and pour into your bosom. The, the, the scriptures tell us. Okay, I, think, I believe it's in Luke 638. Alright? So you need to understand, it will come back. In fact, one of the times when the people were accusing Jesus, you know, of saying, uh, remember the, the story of the talents. The, the, you know the, the, the wicked one? The wicked servant got the one talent? He says, oh, you know, you, you, you reap where you don't sow. Exactly right. He was trying to be unkind, but that's exactly right. You don't sow to reap from there. You sow, and where you reap from, that's up to God. You know, you might be sowing and sowing and sowing finances into people's lives and think, God, nobody's giving anything back to me. And one day you win the lotto. Yeah, you got it back. And then some. <laughs> you know? See, God will not be a debtor to any man. Galatians 6, 7 says, whatever you sow, you will reap. Do you hear what I'm saying? So you all make sure you sow good, good stuff. Amen? Because you will reap it one way or the other. Okay. Uh, possibly wrote the song. Whether good or bad or evil, you will reap what you sow. Amen. Moving on. Simon Jacobs Master basically explains this when he writes, In New Testament times, Jesus gave new meaning to the command to love one's neighbor. When he taught the parable of the Good Samaritan. We'll look at that. And when he told his listeners that the command to love one's neighbor extended even to the enemy, Jesus became known as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Hallelujah. Because that's all of us one day. <laughs> okay, somehow, okay, you weren't that wonderful. All right, so let's, <laughs> let's take a quick look at the story of the Good Samaritan. Since we are talking about love, and since we are talking about loving our neighbor. And we're going to see this. That's why I read to you um, the verses in 1 John chapter 2, when it said in verse 9, He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until, until now. And he who loves, verse 10, his brother abides in the light. So again, remember we are talking about light and darkness before. That God is light and in him is no darkness at all. That we are to walk in the light. Amen? And walking in love is walking in light. Love and light go together. Amen? Okay. So let's read in Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. It says there, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him. Now this guy, his motives aren't good. Okay? But what we get from Jesus as a result of it is a blessing to us all. Amen. Alright. This is how God can take a bad situation and turn it into gold. Never mind. If you got that, you got that. Alright. And so it says, Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, <laughs> See, remember he's a lawyer. Okay, he's a, he knows the law. He knows the word. So look at what Jesus says. Rather than try to explain something to him, he, say, he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? He goes, You read it, you tell me. <laughs> okay? You're testing me. Because he knew where he was coming from. If this guy did it you know, out of a good heart, he wouldn't have got this answer. Okay? But, but you know, he said, he was testing him. So he, what did he do? Test him back. <laughs> Amen. Because <laughs> you tell me. You know? And so, <laughs> let's see how much you know. So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, oh, excuse me, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus, he said to him, 
you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. So he goes, you knew the answer. Just do it. Okay? Stop messing around with this. But he, this is the lawyer, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Okay. And so we come to the story of the Good Samaritan. Verse 30. Luke 10.30. Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, can I just quickly point out something here? Notice in verse 25, it said, Behold, a certain lawyer. Whenever you see those words, a certain whatever, it's talking about real people and real situations. Okay, so what Jesus is about to tell us is actually, this is not a fictitious situation. But he's not going to divulge any names. Alright, so... So he says here now, so in the same way he said a certain lawyer stood up, it now says here a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, departed, uh, excuse me, and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And you know, if, 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 we, if we were watching a movie, right now the music would lift. Because it's a priest! Okay, I mean, it was bad that the guy got beaten up, but now a priest. So the music would rise, and we'd go, there's hope. Okay? And that's exactly, this is Jesus, man. I mean, he just plays it. You know, okay? And so now by chance, a certain priest, notice a certain priest, came down that road, and when he saw him, and and they're all waiting for, he rushed to this man. And helped him and, 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 and did all these things. But no, the music suddenly changes. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Da, da, da. Okay. <laughs> okay. I can just hear the crowd going, gasp. And one guy, like Matthew, going, yeah, I expected that. Bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> you know? Okay. Alright. So, <laughs> verse 32. Likewise, a Levite. Now, a Levite was a priest's helper. Okay? So, okay, so the priest was having a bad day. Never mind, never mind. Let's move on. Okay? So, Jesus says, likewise, a Levite. When he arrived at the place, and then the music, up we go again. (gasps) There's hope. Okay? There is the priest's helper. He's going by, and he says, when he arrived at the same place, came and looked. And passed by on the other side. Oh dear God, this guy crossed the road as well. Uh, Can you believe this? And so once again, boom, we go down. It's like, what is wrong with these people? This is what is wrong with religion. Did you get that? You know, I'm sad to say, most religion is, is about what's in it for me. Amen. He looked at him and go, yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, busy, busy, frightfully busy, much, much too busy for you. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's move on. See, Jesus is, is playing this crowd now. So he says, priest. Everybody goes, oh, no. Levite. Oh, no. Samaritan. He says, but a certain Samaritan. Now the music goes the other way. Oh, dear God, this poor man. He gets beaten up. The priest goes past. The Levite goes past. Now comes the Samaritan. They, the Jews, hated the Samaritans. Okay, these were, they were enemies. Remember? Love your enemies. Okay. 
And so, of all people, you'd think, <laughs> the Samaritan is going to check and see what else is left on this guy. You know, you rob the guy that's already been robbed. You know what I mean? Hello, okay. So, you know, the crowd is now tense. They're thinking, oh, this poor man. Because obviously, this is a real story. <laughs> and, as, and it says, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, ripped his credit card and no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Watch what he says. He had compassion. Wow. While the other two had none. They had no regard for this man. Nor the laws that they proclaimed to keep. Remember, they knew God's laws. Do you understand? That's why it's such a big sin, what they did. James says, when you know to do good and you don't, that's sin. Alright, anyway. So it says here, he had compassion. Now, this is a total change. Okay, our music is picking up again. He had compassion? What did he do? Let's go on. Remember, he's asking a question, who is my neighbor? The question really isn't just who is my neighbor, but how do I treat my neighbor? Okay, Jesus is going to say, this is your neighbor and this is how you treat him. All right. And he says here, so he went to him, verse 34, and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal. He set him on his own animal. So he's not only caring for him, but he now picks him up, puts him on his animal. Remember, he, this has to, means he has to walk. It's inconvenient for him now. Okay? Do you all understand? Now this guy is, this guy isn't just wandering the street and he doesn't know, you know, I wonder what I'm going to do today. This is a businessman. He's got places to go, things to do. Hear me. Regardless of how busy you get, mankind is always your business. Do you hear me? Amen. Okay. All right, back to, let me just say this as well. You know, whatever time you give to God, whoever you help, God will always bless you back. It will always come back some way, somehow. God will guarantee that. Not me, He will. Amen? All right, so back to this. So again, He says, so He went to Him, bandaged His wounds, pouring oil and wine. He set Him on His own animal, brought Him to an inn, and took care of Him. So He... Now, he's going above and beyond. He didn't just kind of look after him, you know, give him a little cash and say, town's that way. Get this now. He is, he, this is the total care package. <laughs> okay, do you know what I'm trying to say? All right. So he, he, he now brings him to an inn. Now, it says in verse 35, on the next day when he departed. So he's got somewhere to go. I told you, this guy, you know, he's, he's got business. He's got places to be. Alright? And he says on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Now that doesn't sound like a lot to us. That's a lot of money. That should take care of this guy for about two weeks at least. Alright? If not more. I, I, I remember doing calculations on this before. I don't remember them, sorry. But he's, it, it says here, on the next day he departed, took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Can you believe this guy? 
So he not only has gone out of his way to help this guy, but he takes him to somebody else who should have been willing to say, you know what, dude, don't worry about it. You've done this much, leave him to me. I'll look after him. This is my end after all. I'll look after him and I'll get him on his way. You need to see what's not in there as well. He wasn't expecting the innkeeper to do the right thing just because he did the right thing. Don't, listen to me, I'm teaching you something here. Don't expect others to, to encourage you and pat you on the back and say how wonderful you are for doing the right thing. Don't get mad at them because they didn't take up the baton and carry it. You started this, you finished this. <laughs> you hear me? Okay. <laughs> okay. Come on now. I'm teaching you something here today. Alright? Because we do that, man. You know, we, we, we look for somebody else to say, Wow, what a wonderful job, you know, let me just take over. And when they don't do that, now we're mad with them. So we're mad at the priest, the Levite, and the innkeeper now. <laughs> and Jesus said, love your enemies. Anyway, okay. Alright. <laughs> Verse 36. So, now here's, a, here's a question. So, which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, this is the lawyer, said, he who showed mercy on him. And then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. I think that's brilliant. Amen. Now, there's a lot of lessons in there. And that's exactly what the Apostle John means now when he goes on to say in the next part of 1 John 2 8, which thing, referring to walking in God's love, is true in him and in you. Let me read a quote and let me explain. As F.F. F. Bruce explains, if Christian fellowship is marked by God's love, then it will be recognized as the fellowship of Christ's followers. It will bear the unmistakable stamp of his, that is God's love. Amen? This is what is meant to set us apart. And John says, the thing, that thing that was true in him, the thing that was true in Christ, he walked in love. Amen? And he loved his enemies. Remember on the cross, after they had crucified him, what did he say? Take them all out, God! You know, I've had it, I've just had it up to here with it. No, he didn't say that. I'm sorry I yelled at all of you. But okay... <laughs> He didn't say that. We, I would have. I'm just telling you, you know, I mean, you know, I crucified my flesh that much. Right. <laughs> okay. Right. What did he say? He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Isn't that tremendous? And what did Stephen do when he was being stoned? He said, don't hold this charge against them. Wow. Do you hear me? Do you understand? The thing is true in him and in you. It needs to be, like it was true in Christ, it needs to be true in us. Amen? We need to walk in that same kind of love. In other words, as I, Howard Marshall puts it, the disciples, which includes us, are to be found walking in the light and themselves shedding light. Did you hear me? That's what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. 
He said, you are the light of the world. See, we're not just meant to be walking in the light. We need to be the light. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Please don't hide your light. People need your light. Do you understand? Your light is the encouragement, the love, the joy, the peace that you bring into people's lives. And when people see you, it should bring them comfort immediately. It should, you should be that person that never judges, that always looks to love, that always looks to help. And if you're doing well, they'll encourage you on. And if you're doing better than them, they're thrilled for you. Amen? All right. <clears throat> he says here, verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a, on a hill cannot be hidden. Verse 15, Nor do they... Uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. You need to be light in your house. Not some little darkness walking around with a cloud hanging over your head. Little lightning bolts. <laughs> you know what I'm okay? All right? You know, as Christians, we are to display this light, this love, this joy. Amen? Verse 16, it says, So let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works. And watch this. Watch, watch, watch the three things here. Let your light shine, so that they may see what? How does your light shine through your good works? But notice they don't glorify you, so please don't look for it. Okay? You let your light shine by doing what is right, and so that they can glorify God. And I'm, I'm glad he said, your father in heaven. Because otherwise you would think, oh, you, you know, your, your earthly father. Oh, that son of yours, he's so wonderful. Or that daughter, is so... No, that's not what they meant. <laughs> okay? Every time Jesus did something extraordinary, it said they marveled and they glorified God. Do you know why? Because the, it was so extraordinary, they knew it couldn't be from a human being. Your love needs to here it comes. Your love needs to be so extraordinary that they need to know that it must be God who's behind it. Did you get what I said? Are we there yet? No. Do we need to get there? Yes. Is it a long way? I don't know. I'll let you decide that one. Okay. <laughs> And it's with this in mind that we are now both walking in the light, okay, and walking as the light, that the Apostle John confidently concludes by saying, because the darkness is passing away, because we're walking in this light, the darkness is passing away. And the true light is already shining. Do you understand that as we begin to shine, as we begin to walk in love, do you know it begins to dispel darkness around us? I want to come back to this verse next week because we have run out of time. And there are some things I want to talk about here. Because we also know that Jesus Christ is the light. And it is the light that darkness couldn't comprehend. And it is that light that lives in you. Do you understand? So not only are you the light of the world in the way that you have been recreated, but you have light living in you as well. And we really need to look at that and talk about that. Hallelujah. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Well, Father, we just thank you that as we continue to walk in this light, as we be the light that you create.